Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority back then. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my television work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation, because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of electrical engineering. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. Cool. You sound so chirpy. (laughs) We're right in the middle of a pandemic and a lockdown. How's it all going? It's going well. I mean, the first few weeks were difficult, but I think I've been able to kind of find my groove. And I'm a night owl, so I do so much better when I'm able to get up late and then work into the night and I've been able to do that this time so yeah working out so is life really different uh because you're locked down and if so how yes um I think well the biggest thing for me is that I am a huge what I call and many people call introverted extrovert so put it there sister I'm holding my eyes up (laughs) I am a huge introvert, but I can be very outgoing and social when I need to be, but it's Mm -hmm. very draining for me to do that. So during this time, I've been able to sort of just be with myself, um, join whatever Zoom sessions I want to. And yeah, it's it's great. I I feel so energized. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know, I was talking to someone else about introversion, extroversion the other day, and she was a total extrovert and she was like, oh, I just so feel so tired because of the lockdown. And I was like, why? Like, you're probably not having to commute. You're at home the whole day. Like, why would you be tired? And she's like, well, I'm such an extrovert that I get energy from other people. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I am the total opposite. I find people pretty draining. Yes. And it's just so, like, I'm embarrassed to admit it because um, – well, I hate admitting weaknesses to anyone, but it's like, I just, being out in the world around people is just, um, it takes so much effort for an introvert, I think. I agree. Yeah. I come home so tired. How did you know that you're an in, no extroverted introvert? Like, is this something you're realizing because of lockdown or have you always known? I have always known this. And I think... When I was little, actually, I was 100% introverted all the time, no matter what. Um, Mm. I remember I was the kind of little kid that would just run behind their mom's legs and start crying if anybody else even (laughs) looked at me. Um, (laughs) I was just terrified of people. And I think what really got me out of my shell was my first job at McDonald's. Because (laughs) if anyone ever wants to get out of their shell, they need to work at McDonald's. People are mean. (laughs) Oh, really? oh yeah customers can be really mean and so you have hey, to throw that hamburgers. yeah <laughs> the ice cream machine is always broken yeah oh, God, and so, so you're always dealing with that kind of yeah. challenging people yeah every single day it was it was a challenge and so um I I've always been a very friendly person and so they always put me on the front lines of, of it and <laughs> had me deal with the most difficult customers so I could talk them down. But I mean, it was just so draining. And <laughs> I I think because of that, I was able to learn how to have thick skin, how to communicate um, with confidence, because if you don't sound confident, they're just going to eat you alive. Mm. 
And I mean, this has been able to translate into the field that I am in now as well. So it's a great skill um, that I got from McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs STEM when you've got metabolism? (laughs) So how, what are you doing right now? Um, So I've been working. I've been, I'm very, very lucky that I have my job still. We have converted everything onto work from home. Um, only a select few can go onto, onto the actual location. Um, mm-hmm. But we have a lot of documentation to do and computer work. So we're kind of just prioritizing that right now, working on that. And then when we go back, we got to tackle everything else. That you do. I mean, you're in the field of electrical engineering, but are you doing something very specific or do you want to just keep it? Uh, I'm doing electrical engineering. Um, so as an electrical engineer, I do a lot of different things. So that can be PCB design. So the printed circuit boards or cable design. Um, we also do what is called, um, test racks. So we just build these systems that are going to be used for testing different electronics. So I get to do all of that. And the fun part is that I get to I get to really follow everything from start to finish. So from the start of when I first designed something, I buy all the parts myself. I get all the parts shipped to me. I put all the parts together. I send everything out to be assembled. I get it back. I test it. I deliver it. After delivery, I'm the one responsible if anything goes wrong. So I'm really there every step of the way. And I think that's the funnest part of my job. Gosh, that sounds incredibly scary and technical. Oh yeah. Um, how did you get into this? Like from a young age, is this something you knew you wanted to do? So my dad is also, um, well, my family's from Mexico and in Mexico they call this electronics engineering mm-hmm. um, because electrical engineering is so broad, but he was an electronics engineer. And I actually remember growing up that I thought that what he did was super boring and I did not <laughs> want to do that. Um, but my mom, she has always just really encouraged me from from childhood. And I never really faced any of those stigmas that a lot of little girls face of, oh, you're a girl, you can't do this. You're a girl, you're not that good at math. You're a girl, these jobs aren't for you. I, I never grew up thinking that that was a thing um, or that other girls experienced that because I, I was just wow. very lucky that my mom kind of... Sh- I guess, sheltered me from, from those ideas. Mm. So I never really thought that there was any field or career that was not open to me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm very, very lucky in that way. Cause I know most women don't have that. And I truly don't know what I would be doing right now if I hadn't had that support. And so, so what, about, what about being around other girls? Like surely they were, probably dressed in pink because that's what you know generations have done they've put girls in pretty dresses and boys you know get to play with the cool toys and stuff like that like didn't you notice well not really because my mom never really stopped us from playing with any specific amount uh, or certain type of toys Mm. my I have a brother and so we would build race cars together we would we would make crazy tracks and roller coasters and mm-hmm. uh, my mom never really said oh that's not something you should do she dressed me up all frilly pink dresses all the time so I didn't really particularly feel different from other girls either mm-hmm. yeah. um, and when you're a child these aren't really conversations that that you have because sometimes you don't even acknowledge that these are thoughts that are being put into you mm. yeah so I, I I just didn't notice that's so cool. So then did you continue kind of pursuing in the your career in a STEM direction? Like, or were you naturally talented at STEM subjects? Like, how did it unfold that you end up getting qualifications in electrical? I think for me, I have always been obsessed with space. And I'm not sure where that came from. Um, I mean, my dad also loves space and he's always been super into technology, but he didn't particularly drill that into us. And my siblings are not like this at all. It's only me. So for whatever reason, I've just always had this fascination with outer space. Um, I remember being 
was seven years old and I would go outside and um, to the backyard, make maps of the constellations of the stars, watch how in the coming days, all the stars, they would be in a different place in the sky. So this is something that I have always just loved. And I guess from a very young age, I think I might've been as young as seven or eight when I decided that I wanted to work somewhere um, in the space industry. And it wasn't really until high school age that I got more into engineering. Right. And the higher you got up in the engineering field, uh, did it ever become more apparent that it was a male-dominated subject? Oh, 100%. I mean, even as I started taking more science-based classes in high school, as early as high school, I started to notice, I mean, when I took my first physics class, physics for us was an elective. So it was, you had to choose to be there. And there were not many other girls that were choosing to be there. And mm. I mean, that was that was kind of just my first chase. And I think at, at that point, I there were still other girls. So it wasn't it wasn't that bad at that point. But when I actually went on to college was when I I really started to realize, okay, this is only getting worse. Yeah. And how did you, did it affect you or did you just soldier on? I mean, what was, what was the effect? You know, sadly, it got to the point where I wouldn't even notice. It was, it was just so normal. Okay. Um, I wouldn't even notice that I, it would be halfway through the semester and I would look around and then think, oh, oh my gosh, I'm the only girl in here. How did I not see that before? Oh, wow. Because I just got so used to interacting with only men. Okay, and but then combining it with this idea that you're a extroverted introvert, like does that mean that you like how did you interact with your classmates? With me, I am able to really I guess portray myself and put myself in the situation that that I need. So if I'm at home and I can relax and I can just be with myself, then I will do that. But if I am somewhere where I need to step up a little bit, then I will do that. And I I do feel comfortable doing that just because of how many times I've had to do it. Mm. And often I do find that when when it's a situation with many other boys or men, um they are also not used to interacting with women in these fields. Yeah. And so it's it's something that I have had to learn how to step up and, and sort of uh, be that first interaction. Right. Because a lot of the times they're very happy with just um, ignoring you or not interacting with you at all because they don't know they don't know what to do they don't know like they don't know what to say to you gosh you sound so uh strong because for me whenever guys didn't interact with me because they were really shy um I would interpret that as oh no there's something wrong with me they don't like me I would never think okay I have to make the first move yeah and and, I mean I've had to learn how to you know, manage this situation. Because of course, the first few times, you don't really know what's going on. You you do feel hurt. You feel like you're being left out. You don't really know why. Um, you might associate that like, oh, it's the, they're all being sexist. None of them want to talk to me. And some of them are, but some of them really just don't know. So it's it's definitely one of those things that you have to learn how to navigate. I mean, I've, mm. of course, I've had situations where I've been straight up told, um, look, for example, my very first lab, for it was an electronics lab. We were supposed to just find a chair to sit in, and then the person next to us would be our lab partner for the rest of the semester. And I remember seeing a bunch of empty chairs, but all of them had already a person there, all guys. And I would walk up to one and say, oh, is the seat taken? Can I sit here? And they would just say, oh, no, my friend's coming. Um, and it was like that for maybe two or three times before I realized, okay, there's no friend. No one's coming. They just don't want me sitting there. Mm. 
and that hurts, but, um, you know, really there's, there's nothing else you can do than just be yourself and do your thing. Yeah. Gosh, I've gone quiet because I just, I really feel for, (laughs) feel for you. I just really pictured that where, you know, you're kind of, you're trying to find a work buddy (laughs) and like everyone's kind of just going, no, sorry. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that feeling when um, you're picking teams and you're the last one to get picked type of thing. Yes. Um, Yeah. And that just brings back a lot of memories for me, actually, because I absolutely dreaded that feeling, which is why I think I ended up becoming quite self-sufficient because I was like, fine, if no one's going to pick me, I'm just going to be able to try and do this on my, by myself, you know. And, um, and I really do feel for women in STEM who do feel kind of um, alienated and yeah. you know you sound awesome because you don't seem to have let that phase you um but i don't think everyone has such a strength of character no. so you know where did your strength of character come from i think well so i am the oldest of my siblings um i've always just been really bossy as they say mm. and so I remember a story that my mom told me actually when I was little because I I don't remember this happening, but she has told me that this happened. And when she retold this to me, it kind of just brought everything back and I've really held it, held it with me. It's very special to me. Uh, And it's something that I resort back to when I'm feeling down. So I remember she told me that when I was little, my sister and I were fighting and my sister called me stupid. And I started crying and I ran to my mom and I am just crying. I couldn't even talk. And then she tells me, okay, calm down. What's going on? And then I say, my sister, she, she called me stupid. And then my mom tells me, then why are you crying about that? And then I said, well, because I'm not. And she said, okay, you just told me that you're not, you're not stupid. Right. And I said, no. And she said, okay, if you're not, then why are you crying? And so I kind of just remember this when people say things to me um, that I know are not true, that I know are just their opinions, um, maybe biased opinions, maybe sexist opinions. And I know in my heart that it's not the truth. So I sort of just, I'm able to to brush it off. And really, I, I thank my mother for that, for being able to bring us up in that way, to be strong since since childhood that is so powerful yeah I mean and so simple yeah literally listening to your story makes me want to rewrite my childhood because the amount of suffering I've gone through because I've cared about what other people think of me is like I mean it's so significant absolutely I mean I just feel like I need to go now (laughs) <laughs> bye <laughs> no I mean it's just like so powerful because the amount of the amount of credibility we give to other people's opinions of us yeah absolutely and and they're not gonna think about it in the future you know people might say something about you two weeks later they they might not even remember you might not even remember what they said yeah. but you're over here dwelling on it for yeah, years totally Ah. Uh, Gosh, I mean, I think I'm probably even going through a bit of that now where I'm like, I'm annoyed because that person thinks da, 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 and it's like, what do I think? Yeah. Wow. But I mean, yeah, I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Like often in this world what other people think of you can make a real difference. And I think that's why, you know, like for example, passing exams yes so that's where it gets tricky you know um yeah yeah no and I agree with that I mean I my college experience was very difficult extremely difficult and I actually went through a pretty uh deep depression throughout most of my college career because I just struggled so much Mm. I I remember that 
I mean, for example, elementary school, middle school, high school, I always was the kind of person that I didn't really need to do much and I would do well. I mean, very well, like A's. I, I, if I, if it wasn't an A, then it was, it was not good enough. Mm, yes. So when I, when I got to college and I got my first C, my first D, I mean, that just, it, it really messed me up for, for a while. Yeah, you blew a fuse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be crying all the time. I started losing my hair and I mean because for the first time I was experiencing failure and mm, yeah. It was such high stakes. I had a full ride scholarship that required a certain GPA. Um I I'm a transfer student, so I'm not sure if that transfer situation is a thing over in the UK but for in the US essentially you can go to after high school you can go to a community college for two or three years mm-hmm. and then transfer to a university to finish out your bachelor's degree so that's what I did and when I transferred is when I really started sort of just like experiencing all these things and not doing as well as I wanted to because now I'm in a school where every single person in this school is the valedictorian, is top of their class, is top 1% in the state, you know? So, I mean, yeah, compared to everybody else in the state, you're a very high-performing student. But now you're in a place where every single other person in your class is a high-performing student. So it can it can get very, very easy to close off the rest of the world and focus only on this one class and these people that are as high performing as you and you're all competing against each other and not see the full picture. So, I mean, yeah, that that can be debilitating. And that Mm. was something that I really had to, you know, learn how to get back up from. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like early on, you got comfortable with the high expectations that you were able to meet. And then as life started to reveal its true self, you know, um, because life is, isn't easy, you know, like the, the, the older you get, the kind of more uncertain it becomes. Yeah. And um, that can be really difficult for anyone who's like a straight A student early on um yeah so I can totally see why that wobbled you um so I I think for me also it just kind of got paired with you know my I talked about my childhood and my mother and I think my childhood was amazing my mom has always just been there for me no matter what she still is um but when I got to my senior year of high school and college decisions came around, uh, my parents were going through a really, really messy divorce. And so I think kind of just that's that's what started everything because mm. that that really was just my first confidence hit and I wasn't able to recover from that for a while. Right. Um, because all through my life, my dad had told me, I will take care of your college, paying for your college, everything. You don't have to worry about that. All you have to worry about is getting into the schools you want to get into. And, you know, I took that to heart and I really worked hard and I did get into the schools I wanted to go to. But then when the divorce came around, he kind of just talked to us and said, you know, I, you took your mother's side. And so that means that I'm not going to be supporting any of you anymore in any way. Um, But that came around at the time that I had to put in my decisions to these colleges and submit my deposits. And Mm. it was too late to apply for scholarships. They were technically still married. I didn't qualify for any financial aid. Um, And so, and my mom was going through obviously a lot of emotional turmoil and that really just sort of started everything. And then finally I get to the university right? Where I I think, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get my career and I'm going to help my family and I'm failing. Right. 
Yeah. So really, it was just such a heavy weight already that I was carrying. And I think I I wasn't able to get out of it for a while. Mm. I can totally see why that unfolded the way it did. Yeah. But how did you get out of it? Like, what were the, what pulled you out of that dark place? So I, I started to notice that during the times when I would do the worst in tests or homework was when I was feeling the most overwhelmed, not with the schoolwork, but with things at home. Emotional. Um, yeah. Emotional pressures or. From things fear, like what? Disappointing my family, uh, disappointing my mother, especially who has worked so hard to to get us to where we are. Mm. Um, I, I, they, I, I just felt like all my life they have had such high hopes for me that me telling them, "Oh, I'm failing," or potentially failing out and and having to switch majors or not finishing my degree, that would have been worse for me having to tell my mom would have been worse than failing itself. Mm, Yeah. And and so it wasn't until I started to sort of try to push those things aside and give myself, you know, I would say, okay, today I am not going to think about anything, nothing at home, nothing with friends, nothing with family. I'm just going to sit here, try to relax, try to get my, uh, try to get my sleep beforehand and and just study and i I did start doing so much better when I allowed myself to block those things off but I mean it's not something that you can just block off one day to the next it's it really is a process of trying to um, deal with all of those emotions and um I think also kind of opening up the floodgates allowing myself to really feel the emotions and think about, okay, why do I still feel this way? What can I do to help? Um, Having those conversations with my mom, like, hey, I'm not doing that great. I'm just really scared of disappointing you. I'm scared of disappointing everybody. And being honest and open. Yeah, yeah. And just um, the support that I would get from them in return, I think just really helped me move forward like hearing my mom explicitly say you know like I know that you can do this I don't want you to feel like you would be disappointing me if you didn't um I think just that that it's that's what really made the difference for me yeah I can see why that would be incredibly comforting um when I think back about the pressures I was under it was often about expectations from myself which was ultimately because of expectations from my family and society and all that and um if I'd just been honest enough to say you know what it's I'm really struggling with it but instead um I just pushed myself harder you know, I just, it, it wasn't even an option. It was like, yeah, of course I'm going to push myself harder. Um, yeah. But I can see why, um, you know, I kind of had burnout at the end. Like when I could stop, I completely sort of like collapsed really. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> because I was holding on so tight to what I wanted. And when I finally got it, I just kind of like surrendered. And that's when um, I really did allow myself to completely fall apart. But it sounds like you took a different approach where you allowed yourself to fall fall apart like little and often rather than have like one giant kind of breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, it's funny now, I mean, now looking back, it's funny, but at the time, obviously it wasn't, but, um, I remember I would, I would schedule in times for me to be emotional, um, and I would do it in advance. So for example, if I had a midterm coming up, um, 
I would schedule time after the midterm, a couple hours um, to either be sad or be happy. So that time was scheduled there. I could wallow or I could celebrate. And then when that was up, time to get back on and keep studying or do homework or just move on. Mm. Yeah. Finding that balance is so tricky, isn't it? Particularly when you're younger because you don't have a whole lot of life experience so you don't realize that balancing um emotionally is really significant and important yeah absolutely and and it can get so easily mistaken for you not being good enough or you not being able to achieve something right because you may be competing with people that don't have any um you know financial struggles or emotional struggles and you have that on top of all of the expectations and on top of perhaps for example being a scholarship student where you have to achieve a certain gpa so all of those expectations all of those emotions on top of having to excel academically Mm, yeah yeah i mean i find i have found that in life like everyone's journey is completely different and um you know that's why school can often be a really weird place because everyone's got the exact same deadlines and um you know from an academic point of view it's the exact same path that you're all taking but everyone's got a different experience of that path yeah and um to just measure, I mean, I don't know how you do it any other way, so I'm not suggesting that there are alternative ways of doing this, but um, it sounds like what you were going through, I mean, even just that part of your story where you're talking about your dad kind of essentially abandoning you when you needed him, um, it's a lot to get through, you know. But it sounds like you're better for it now no and i i 100 agree i mean i had to grow up really fast so mm. i i'm 24 years old and i don't when i meet people i do find that i feel more comfortable with people more close to their 30s just i just feel that maturity level wise mm. i i relate to them better yeah yeah yeah, things like that will really make you grow up fast. And actually, I think that's a really good thing. Like often when I hear people's stories and I hear of what they've been through, even though it sounds horrendous um, at the time, I just think, well, I'm so happy for you that you've gone through that because some people have those kinds of experiences in their 50s and they've, you know, they've gone through a whole 55 you know, years or whatever, kind of not waking up to the reality of life. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know what's worse. I think I would rather have a bunch of tough experiences when I'm young and I can bounce back and I can live my life um, with that wisdom than um, have my eyes shut till I'm older and I have less opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then getting hit with it when you know, you've already had so much experience with other things. And yeah, I, I do feel like that, that would be worse. And mm. I, it it sounds interesting for me to say this now, but really, I'm grateful for everything that has happened to me. Because I wouldn't be who I am, if it wasn't for that. And I think I've reached a point where I'm very happy with who I am. And I, I love who I am. And so sort of just thinking back to how I was before all of my experiences. And I mean, I I like this person so much better, especially after having worked through everything. And I mean, I still have to work through it. I still have a lot of the imposter syndrome that I deal with. And um, I still have those moments where I, if I if I were to let myself sit somewhere in silence for a few minutes and think about what happened, I do still, you know, get teary. And so it, it's still a, a fresh wound in a way. 
But I think just the place where I am now and what it has led me to. I mean, I, I ended up choosing a completely different university than where I, than where I was going to go originally. Um, that new university that I chose, I ended up getting my job offer because of the proximity to the university. Um, I ended up meeting my fiance at the community college, you know, like all those things that make up my life now, I would not have had at all if my dad hadn't done what he did. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like finding the silver lining and everything is really a choice that we make as individuals because even, you know, with all this COVID stuff going on, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of us are disadvantaged in many different ways. Um, and it's always interesting to sort of listen to people describe their experiences because, um, you know, we've all got stuff on our plate and, you know, it's, there are silver linings in the worst things, you know, yeah. even when you lose something or someone, the silver lining is appreciating how amazing they were to be in your life in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to find those silver linings sometimes, but it's so liberating to find them. You absolutely. Know. Absolutely. So, yeah, choice, like attitude really is a choice that we each have. Um, I loved when you said, like, I really love who I am now. And I I really wanted to ask, like, who do you think you are now? Ooh, (laughs) I think I'm very, I'm a very confident woman. Um, And that has taken so many years to get. You know, I'm able to speak up in a meeting full of men that are maybe 20 to 30 years older than me on engineering topics. I am able to put myself out there, do public talks, do keynote speeches, even though I'm a huge introvert because I have so much passion and love for what I do. Um, I have the job that I dreamed of having as a child and I achieved that before I even graduated college and I think just yeah I'm a very capable confident woman and it's it's as a result of everything that I've had to grow from Mm. yeah it's so awesome and how you know you're in a stem field um, what aspirations do you have for your career in the future? Yeah, I have a lot. <laughs> um, I'm also a huge perfectionist, so um, it really Yeah, drops. I don't think that ever leaves you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, something that I've, I've, really, I've really been thinking about lately is, because obviously I do have all these dreams for my, my career and where I want to take it in the future, Um, But I also really try to enjoy where I am now, because if I think about when I was in college and what my dream job was being where I am now, and then now where I am thinking, oh, no, my dream job is now actually this. And so I really want to get away from always chasing the next thing. Mm. Um, But my next thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important to have. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Aspirations. Yeah. I, I really want to get more into um, scientific instruments for spacecraft. So okay. I love physics. Physics actually was the other field that I was considering pursuing. Um, but I chose electrical engineering because of it, how close it is to physics. Um, I, I thought that it was a good way to combine both of them. Um, but the really cool thing about spacecraft is that when you're in space, you really have to think about all of the different physics laws that are at, that are at play. And so when you're working on the scientific instruments for the spacecraft, you really have to 
know with your physics because you you need to make sure that the radiation isn't going to fry your components you need to make sure that the components are going to be able to withstand extreme temperatures extreme vibration extreme sound uh, and then on top of that you want to do something with them you want to perform science so you need to understand that scientific concept of what you were trying to uh, probe so mm-hmm. all of that coming into one to to create the electronics for it that's um really what what i want my next step to be it doesn't sound like you've got any regrets of going into stem then no i i mean honestly since childhood i have known that i I wanted to pursue science in some way i didn't exactly know what it was going to be um but as i started taking more classes i my mom bought me when i was little a book about uh science experiments and i would just do them (laughs) after school um and so it's, it's always just been something that i i love i love it a lot i mean i do it in my free time you know i I study in my free time. That's my hobby. <laughs> right. Mm. Gosh, I mean, it is an unusual career um, for a woman to go into STEM, but you really do make it sound like it's the it's the obvious thing to do. I mean, if you <laughs> love it, go for it. Sort of yeah. Thing. And so what advice would you give to anyone that has kind of thought about doing STEM and is listening to this podcast? You know, I, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot because, like I said, I really do attribute my success and where I am now to my upbringing and to having had that support and not really understanding about all of the stigmas until way later on. Mm. And um, also lately, I've been very interested in just the sociology side of of our experiences as women in STEM and I've come to find that a lot of scientific research has been showing that women are leaving engineering and STEM yeah in high percentages but when they are when you really get to to the bottom of why they are doing this it's not necessarily oh the classes were hard the classes weren't interesting I I didn't really like the field. It's more of, I don't feel supported by my peers. I don't feel supported by my professors. I feel that nobody around me wants me to be here. My professors don't want me to succeed. Um, My institution, my school isn't supporting me. They don't want me to succeed. And I mean, that's horrible because... I'm on the other side now and, and I love this field and I I love what I do. And I mean, I had moments where I experienced that too. You know, I've had professors just say horrible things to me. Um, I've had classmates say horrible things to me. And there were moments where I, you know, almost gave up. Yeah. And I can't imagine having done it now. And so really, I just, the biggest thing that I, that I would want other people to get from this is that we need to be supportive. We need to support our sisters. We need to support our mothers. We need to support our daughters, our classmates, our coworkers. Um, I, my coworkers probably don't um, really even think about this, but it means so much to me every time somebody says, another man says something. And them, as my male coworkers, are the first ones to put a stop to it and say, hey, that's not cool. Hey, that's that's really not appropriate. And I would appreciate if you didn't talk like that to anyone ever again. You know, it means so much to me. And, and I feel so welcome. Even though something horrible was just said, I know that my coworker has my back. And I feel so supported from that, that that comment doesn't bother me anymore because now I know, okay, they want me here. Yeah. I mean, particularly during this time of COVID, I mean, a lot of generous people have come to the forefront and the kindness um, that's been shown between one another um, has been so beautiful to see. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's because we're in a crisis and, you know, people, their good sides come out. Um, 
at a time like this. But I really feel like we need to, once all of this is kind of easing up or maybe even over, like we still need to maintain that kind of love for each other and support and care for one another. But my fear is that we're going to go back to how it was. And I think the reason why it wasn't like that before COVID is because we're all so competitive. Yeah. And I just wish that we could live in an environment where it wasn't so competitive, but that's the way it is. Like, you know, whether it's, economies, business, whatever, like we are raised to compete. And um, it is what causes this sort of lack of care for one one another. And I just, I don't know. I just wish, I wish there was a, a, a permanent way of people just, um, being there for each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think I think also a lot of people are um scared to ask for that support as well when Yeah, exactly. when it's not necessarily a crisis. Yeah. People are are, are scared to ask for help because it would show weakness if you needed others. And um you know it just, I don't know, that breeds more animosity and more distance between people. Um, and I just wish that wasn't the case, but it's kind of a bit like a snowball effect. Like if someone's not there for you, then you, you kind of, you kind of, one could feel like, well, why should I be there for other people? And it just, mm-hmm. it can snowball. Um, but that's why I loved what your mother said about what people think and say about you doesn't have to be the truth. It really depends on your own truth because I just feel that if you want to put goodness out in the world, you should do it anyway, regardless of what you're going to get back. Right. And, you know, so on the note of being supportive for other people or to other people, um, we should just do it. A hundred percent. And, and if if one of us does it, it will be a yeah. domino effect. Mm-hmm. I find too that, um, you know, as women, we are sort of taught to be so much more competitive with each other. Yeah. Um, and and I, I mean, I've experienced this myself with classmates and at school where sometimes I actually felt more comfortable with some of the guys than, than some other women. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like it's not necessarily women's fault. I think there are so few opportunities for women compared to guys. And we do have such high expectations of ourselves as women that it can get bitchy and catty. Mm -hmm. Um, And if only there was a way, I mean, I, I really feel like men, need to change their attitudes a hundred percent because even with you know amongst women we do actually want to help one another but we can't because we're kind of competing in this man's world where it's like I'm not going to help that woman she she wants that guy or whatever and it's like I don't know there's just so few opportunities for women and I just wish that we lived in a world where there were equal opportunities because I think amongst the genders there would be less animosity yeah Yes, a hundred percent. I had a coworker actually. He uh, horrible thing he said, but um, I, we were having lunch, and I remember he was saying that at his old job he left because he was promoted to a manager position, and that the woman that was promoted to the manager position was less experienced than him and a few years younger than him. And then I remember I said something like, "Well, she must have had." more experience in something that she got the job over you and I mean truly you don't look like the type of person that would do that great managing people because his personality is just not it's just not great and he kind of just looked at me he said nah I'm pretty sure she slept with somebody 
And I said, well, do you have any evidence to support that? Like, is that, is that, was that a rumor going around? Um, and he said, no, but I mean, how else would she get it? So we have to deal with a lot of, a lot of, uh, those ideas too of our success is not our success it's something must have been done for it yeah fulfilling quotas or trying to balance the gender disparity and all this and it's like yeah I've had women talk about that on this podcast where they've said you know I just want people to know that I got this job out of merit and not because it was filling quotas and things like that and Mm -hmm. You know, women also have to deal with kind of struggling to get somewhere. And then when they when they've got there, not actually getting the recognition they deserve. Right. But it goes back to that really powerful thing your mum said again. It's like, just know that you deserved it. Don't yeah. worry about other people knowing. Yes. Your mum sounds absolutely awesome. I, yeah, everyone tells me, and I love her so much. I'm so, so lucky to have her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's really shaped you into this strong confident woman that you are today and um you know despite any of the difficulties you've gone through it sounds like you've come out winning and so it's just been such a pleasure to hear your wisdom and thank you so much for coming on the show absolutely i honestly really appreciate this format of um being anonymous i I really feel like it really has allowed me to talk freely Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, because it's a bit of a strange one, but I do feel that honest, open conversations can be had um, when your identity isn't revealed. So thank you. Of course. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Uh, I must say, I am still so distracted by that really powerful message of her mum. And I think I'm going to carry that around with me for a long, long time, hopefully forever, but certainly intensely Um, for a while just kind of reflecting on that in every minute of every day Uh, because it's just it's just utter wisdom thank you so much for listening to the show don't forget to rate and review and catch you next week on silence